This is Rewired Radio with Erica Spiegelman, addiction and wellness specialist, motivational speaker, and author, helping individuals, couples, and families regain a sense of control, leading to personal growth, wellness, and a more fulfilling life. Here's Erica Spiegelman. Well, welcome, everybody. Today, we have such a fantastic show. My guest today has been in the recovery business for so long, and we're going to be talking about some really exciting things. As you guys know, the recovery journey just doesn't end once we leave an inpatient center. And to fully understand and achieve recovery, most of us need a holistic aftercare plan. But what does that successful aftercare plan look like, and how can we make sure that we could take care of our physical, emotional, psychological, and spiritual needs? Today, my guest is Ken Seely. He's a globally known interventionist. Ken is here to share his vision for what successful aftercare looks like, and he will discuss the ways in which he works with clients and other recovery professionals to integrate a full range of support into treatment plans. Um, Ken has changed the lives of thousands of people through working um, through his work in interventions and working with families, and he's also had the honor and privilege to educate millions of people through the television show Intervention on A&E. Ken, welcome to the show. I could go on and on about you, but I will let you speak and do do the little bit of the explaining. Oh, thank you, Erica. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing fantastic and happy to have you uh, on the show. I, I've known you through the years and seen you at conferences, and so I'm really honored that we get to have a chance to have a conversation. I know. Finally, right? Finally, finally. So can you, I, I know there's so much that you do do, but, you know, we, we, can we first start with talking a little bit about, um, you know, how uh, most people, 30 days of an inpatient treatment center is, is never going to be enough. And, and not even that, even if they stay sober, we still need to, um, work on self care and our narratives, our, you know, cognitive narratives and, um, family relationships and our health and our nutrition. So can you tell us a little bit about, um, what your take is on aftercare and what you're doing in this field? Well, I also have Eric McLaughlin here, who's our CEO of our company. So just in case oh. if I forget something, he'll jump in and <laughs> and, well, and welcome to the show. Sure Hi, can... Eric. Yeah. Hi. Nice to be here. Thanks so much. Of course. Good surprise. So yeah, yeah. for aftercare for us is completely different um, than than most people would look at aftercare. It's like you know you you go in and you any other disease you get you go in for. Um, you know, a procedure, and when you get out, there's always aftercare. And right. in our industry, there never has been. It's been kind of like, here's your discharge summary. And a few years back, they changed it from discharge discharge summary to, you know, continuum care summary. But it never really lined anything out. You know, go to 90 meetings in 90 days and get a therapist, and mm-hmm. good luck to you. You know, right. hope you make it. And right. We wonder why the the rate of the deaths are growing versus the rate of long term recovery, and mm-hmm. that's the missing link right there. Where we're, we are missing the aftercare and the importance of the aftercare and making that transition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and, and so, how do we begin to um, implement these the, these new plans and and the importance of them with you know with staff staffing and people you know that are in inpatient? I mean, there's barely aftercare departments at most of these facilities. Let alone if there is them, they never really follow up, and there's not a community of people to hold them accountable afterwards. 
Well, the the number one reason why that had happened is because there was no finances. I mean, there was no resources. You know, insurance doesn't pay enough to, you know, follow somebody for a year to five years after treatment. So mm-hmm. um, right, what of we, course. we did is, yeah. you know, we went to the Joint Commission and we asked them to accredit case management um, because that, it was never under their accreditation. And then we went to uh-huh. the payers and said, okay, can you pay for this? Now that uh-huh. there's an accreditation for it. And uh-huh. finally, last year, we started to be able to get reimbursed a little bit for that. That's incredible. Really, that's so incredible. So could, could you tell our audience and everybody, you know, what, what your company does and how, to, you know, a little bit about how you're helping take care of people afterwards and guiding them? Yeah, so, so when, you're, when you're in treatment, you know, you get that great... Um, you know, the great care while you're there and treatment alone just doesn't work. I mean, we're watching it, right? I mean, yeah. the statistics are that, you know, people are dying. I mean, it's a national crisis right now. Right. And, um, so we're seeing that they're, they're, they're dying instead of living and they're not staying sober after treatment. I mean, I don't Relapses know that many treatments. Constant. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. relapsing constantly. And yeah. so where the missing link is in our perspective is taking what was recommended in treatment and Mm -hmm. carrying that through. So our recovery assistants, we call them, that will assist them in their their early recovery, we'll call them every single day for, you know, Monday through Friday, like the doctor diversion programs. You know, they have somebody to support Mm -hmm. them in those Mm -hmm. and calls them Monday through Friday, but most importantly calls their family system, their family you know, their mm. prescribing doctor, they'll call, um, you know, their AA sponsor if they're in a 12-step program, they're where they're getting randomly drug tested, they'll check in with them, their mm-hmm. therapist, so that whole hub of recovery, they speak wow. to them once a week, and they speak to the addict five times during the week, and on weekends if there's an emergency. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, very hands-on. That is very hands-on and thorough. And and must put the family at ease to a degree as well. I know family family uh, interventions is is a big deal, and and family uh, involvement when it's appropriate is something that could really help um, hold hold the person who is trying to recover accountable and can help um, you know underst- understand through education that they also need to change. They need to understand how that person is changing. So how do you guys work with families? Well, that's the second component. I'm glad you asked. You were right on. Yeah. Because the first component is that. But the most important component is the high license professionals, pilots, nurses, doctors, they have their diversion program, and they have an 80 to 92% success rate because, as a friend of ours calls it, John Southworth, they have a gun to their head. You know, Mm -hmm. if they don't participate, they're going to lose their licensure. So the family is... Their licensure. The family is their gun to the head. So, you know, I was just working, uh, you know, I, I wish Marsha was here with us. She was just on the doctor's TV show with us today, uh, yesterday. I, and, yeah, I heard. And we had a client, and the mother's like, I'm doing everything. I'm doing everything to help her. And you'll see it on the, you know, the season premiere. You know, they're in their 10th yeah. season coming up. I know. They're going to mm-hmm. play this episode that Marsha and we did together. But this mom was, you know, saying, I do everything to help my daughter. I do everything. And meanwhile, the daughter's down, you know, the hallway of the house and smoking heroin, you know, coughing her blood up. So Mm. 
they don't understand the family how to support recovery or how mm-hmm. are they supporting the addiction. And right. it needs to be mm-hmm. so clear that you are either supporting one or the other. And if you're going to choose the other, that's okay. If you're going to support the addiction, then that's okay. But you need to make a conscious decision so when they die, you know you took part in their mm. death with supporting the addiction. And right. once we educate them and show them that this is where you were supporting it and this is how you support recovery. So I said, mm-hmm. why don't you just call the police and have her arrested? She's smoking an Ill- illegal drug in your in your bathroom, in your house. I said, right. get her arrested. At least she's in jail. She's sober in jail versus high in the streets while she's killing herself right in front of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, Ken, so, so, but, but also I, I love that you are educating parents on what they are doing wrong because I feel like they don't understand that they are supporting the addiction. I feel like they, they think that in enabling this kid to have a home and roof it over her head is something that is a, a good parenting when actually it's not. So is, is that what you mean by teaching them and, and explaining to them what their behaviors uh, are doing to their children? Exactly. Like, this, you know, this young individual, she's, you know, going to be 21 soon and she's, you know, smoking heroin in her mom's room, but she, her mom kicked her out. So she, she's not allowed to live with her. So uh-huh. families pick and choose what they believe a consequence should be, but it's mm-hmm. got to be a line in the sand. And I always say you're either pregnant or not. So she's either yeah. in recovery <laughs> or she's not in recovery. You know, it's not, you know, okay, you could come home and smoke heroin in the house, but you can't live here. You know, it's you have to make sure that the line is solid and that, you know, you're either in recovery or you're not in recovery. And like this young woman, she was, you know, all over the map and mom's chasing her. Mom, the poor mom is sick herself, you know, and she's not doing well physically. And she's, Mm -hmm. you know, chasing her daughter around, giving her whatever she wants at her beck and call. You know, she needs food. She gets her food. You know, I was like, why are you giving her food? If she was hungry, she would she would spend the money that she's spending on heroin on the food if she's hungry. But now she's spending it on heroin because she has food. So don't (laughs) give her food. Right. I, you know, but, but it it must, it must, I mean, I know you've been doing this so long and and I think you see the same patterns over and over again with parents, but it it just must be this deep, deep denial or, or this, they don't want to really see the truth of how they're contributing to their children's illness. I mean, it really is. There are so many parents that I come in contact with it. it, You know, I have have a center an outpatient center and and, and the parents I get in contact with don't see it. They, they are completely blinded by their behavior. I mean, I think deep down, maybe they know um, that they're not doing the right thing, but it's very hard for them to give them a a consequence to where um, they actually put their foot down in certain ways. And like you said, they pick and choose, but they're picking choosing the wrong things. It sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. And you're you're 100 percent correct. They, they think they're doing the right thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's heartbreaking. I mean, it, it's just so heartbreaking because every single one of them, when their loved one dies, they come back and they say, I wish I would have. I mm-hmm. wish I would have listened. I wish I would have mm-hmm. followed the clinical recommendations. I wish I would have done the work and gone mm-hmm. to the meeting. And it's mm-hmm. too late. You know, so if you're listening and you have a loved one that's out there that's still out there suffering, don't be one of those ones that say, I wish I would have. Do the work. 
follow the clinical recommendations. Get an expert. Get get a you know right. a, a, yeah. a person that's going to case manager, be a recovery assistant, and put a family contract together. Because if mm-hmm. you could put the family contract together and you could follow them, and and again, it's not punitive what we do, and 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 you know, it's not a, a right. punishment. It's mm-hmm. more of we ask them, what are your goals? You know, what right. do you want out of life? And mm-hmm. what is your passion? Where does your passion lie? And as you know, mm-hmm. with your IOP, you know, people don't even know what their passion is. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're so numb from getting high for so long. But of course. we dig to find out what's their passion and what are their goals. They all have goals. That they can of answer. Of course. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and we it, show it, them a... Mm-hmm. Good. Go on. No, no, no. I was just saying how it's support. You know, I mean, it's just the language you use. I think a lot of people feel like they're good, that this is this is something that's going to impact their life in a negative way when it's going to lift you up. It's going to give you your best life. It's going to support you. It's going to provide consistency and community and and love and peace, you know, and, and, it, and to look at it that way. And also the parent, I mean, it would be helpful if they looked at it that way, too, where it's not it, it, it's work, but it's work to provide a future for their loved one. I mean, it's, it's, it's all positive movement, right? I mean, exactly, exactly mm-hmm. right. I mean, if they all looked at it that way and they saw, okay. And we also do it with the families. What are your goals? And then if yeah. they alter off of the path that we create with them, so we're not only giving them input. Okay. You want this, you want to be successful at a job and you want, you know, to have a relationship and have a family of your own. So you want to accomplish those goals, then when you start gearing off of not going to your meetings, not working with your sponsor, not, you know, taking your medication, we're like, okay, now you're going down a different road. This mm-hmm. is the road that's familiar for you that got you into jail. This is the road right. that, you know, had you overdose. So you're right. you're gearing off of the path that we, we've discussed. So mm-hmm. you educate them to show them, that, hey, we're not telling you what to do. We're just showing you how to get to reach your goal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But with that comes mirroring the red flags, like, hey, this behavior was a behavior that it was exhibited in your addiction. And, and it's like, but that constant, but people need that constant reminder. That's why this aftercare program and aftercare in general is so important because it's, I think what they call it arrogant euphoria. I mean, some people get sober and they think that they figured it all out in 30 days or 60 days. And, um, and then old behaviors creep up or old ways of coping, you know, obviously are still there. I mean, someone that's been using drugs for 20 years is not going to all of a sudden in 30 days, their brain, their synapse and their brain can't even, you know, the pathways can't even get together that fast. So to have accountability and a case manager and people that are on your team and on your side is invaluable. It's just such a, it's, it's one of the best things I could think of for somebody. Yeah. I always, I always kind of communicate it as like having a trainer at the gym because, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're, you go to the gym by yourself, you're like, Oh God, I don't want to go today. It's the same thing. Oh God, I don't want to go to that meeting or I don't want to go to that therapy appointment. You know, I'm already feeling better. You know, I mm-hmm. look better. I lost the weight. I don't need to go <laughs> right. to the gym today. And <laughs> yeah. you have that person gently guiding you and pushing you is the support that we all need. And shame on us in the industry for not offering that to people because mm-hmm. that's how people get sober. I mean, if the doctors have been doing it, I have a good friend of mine out of Florida. He's got over 30 years sober from the doctor diversion program. 
and they have an uh-huh. over an 80% success rate. So shame on us as an industry for not offering this to the general public till just recently. I agree. But you found the loophole of how to provide treatment for people in, in that way. I mean, it's hard because these kids, especially, I mean, I'm sorry, these young adults, I, I call them kids sometimes. I don't mean to. <laughs> yes, but why? They're young and they're young adults, but they are. I mean, and, and as you see, this is, uh, you know, the world of, of addiction now has changed the epidemic, the heroin epidemic, opioid epidemic. I mean, these are young people in their 20s, early 20s, 20s, 30s. I mean, it doesn't matter the age. It's affecting everybody. But 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 the point is, is that they they come in, they the insurance does pay for a certain amount of treatment and then that's it and they don't have jobs and most of them don't have family members that have money to help them out and so they are stuck um you know with the system that has been keeping them in this relapse mode i mean this it's like this the sober livings and then an inpatient and they relapse and they go back and and meanwhile once they finally get sober and they really are serious about the recovery there is no help after or there is no support support in that way like the one the support that an aftercare um, team would provide, and that's You're really absolutely where, right. Yeah. yeah, and that's where they, you know, and then they don't have the support, so then they're sitting out there, and like you said, they feel a little bit better, so they say, "Oh no, I got this, and I don't need mm-hmm. to do what was recommended because nobody's holding me." I don't want to. I hate the word accountable, but you know, yeah. I'm being held accountable by going to the gym with a trainer. You know what I mean? So yeah, you know, yeah. we're not being held accountable to reach our goals, so we fall back into our old devices and left to our, you know, our old behaviors. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we put the same amount of heroin that we're used to doing in our arm. And then all of a sudden we overdose and die. So yeah. mm-hmm. it's pretty easy when you look, step back and you see the big picture. But what we're doing is giving them the extra support that's necessary. Without the support, I'm almost thinking it's kind of criminal. I mean, what do you think, Eric? I think it's almost criminal that we don't, you know, offer this to every single person out there. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, we do a grave disservice uh, building the illusion that 30-day treatment is a cure-all. And, you know, treatment Mm -hmm. doesn't work. Um, If you just go to treatment, you won't be successful. And we have to start talking about, you know, recovery work. And people Mm -hmm. can develop and enhance their own recovery plans. But we're looking at you know, three to five years uh, for people to get reestablished, to have the job back, to have the family back, to have the relationships mm-hmm. back, to have mm-hmm. the education opportunities back. Um, we, we, we cannot look at treatment from addiction in a short-term acute care model. It's a chronic relapsing disease that needs ongoing support. And if we, mm-hmm. if we, don't, if we don't change that, um, uh, that, that view, people are going to continue to be unsuccessful and relapse after going to 30 days of treatment. And just like you said, Erica, they're going to end up when they're finally ready, not having the resources or the availability to get the help that they should have gotten in the first place. Yeah. And Eric, I, I appreciate you really saying that it's a long-term, um, a long-term process because it, I mean, it is number one and, and, you know, we're touching upon getting back the job, getting back the family, the trust, this and that, but also your brain. I mean, talk about the internal changes that need to happen. You know, I mean, in your mind, the way of thinking, the way of having to, you need life experiences to have a contrast to see now what you're capable of or what your strengths are. And those things take time and no one talks about the time and all this. It's like quick and, and, you know, and families will come too. like, can you fix my kid? You know, it's like they drop them off and, and they need someone to fix them in 60 days. Can you do it? You know, he needs to go back to college or can't I mean no one understands that this is this is 
long-term life. This is life. This is your whole life is going to be invested in your health in this way. And, um, you know, it, it's not talked about enough. So I'm really appreciate, I appreciate both of you, you know, touching upon this. Yeah. And I, I think you touched on something that is kind of like uh, almost like a secret key, uh, you know, whether or not addiction is genetic, uh, you know, mm-hmm. there's, there are people who will debate you to end, uh, you know, yeah. the end of time about that. Uh, addiction does impact the brain and our neural functioning. And sure. uh, you can't expect years of abuse to be uh, fixed by 30 days. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a recovering crystal meth addict. And there are some studies that show that the brain doesn't return to normal functioning uh, for 12 to 18 months after cessation of uh, crystal meth use. I mean, that's yeah. 12 yeah. to 18 months that someone needs mm-hmm. accountability and support because their brain isn't actually operating. And, you know, we look at the relapse rates for opiate addicts, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, it's all tied into dopamine receptors. I mean, there is a neurological component that really people don't, people don't want to acknowledge or understand, but really is a very, very lengthy process. So thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the biggest things. I wrote a book called Rewired and, and Rewired, and, and I wrote a workbook with Marsha Stone, actually. We wrote um, a workbook recently, and it's published. And, you know, just the response of, of finally having something out there that dis- does discuss this this piece of it, which is we have to begin to change the narratives. We, got, we have to begin to change uh, the pathways in our brain. And, I mean, it, you know, on top of all the other great things that you could do in your recovery, um, you know, I know that, that that may have to come a little bit with the, with therapy, but that's why also that's encouraged and or counseling and, you know, what, whatever, whatever kind of educating um, system that that person needs, it, it has to be implemented like in their recovery plan as well. So, um, yeah, I, I'm just I'm just the, I just encourage everyone to, to try and see that with time and patience, we have to build a muscle of patience as well. Like all of all, your life will change and all these good things will come, but it does take time. And to have, you know, a support team behind you is only going to help. And and that's why um I'm encouraging everybody that's listening to to try and 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 obviously reach out to you guys and try if they you know I don't could you tell me a little bit of where where you're providing these services or, or how you could support them is it all throughout the United States tell tell us a little bit about that sure so our our post treatment or post intervention services are completely uh, telephone or uh, telehealth based um, great so while that's they great. can be done where we're located in Palm Springs, California, they can also be facilitated throughout the country and even the world. We've had clients, uh, you know, who uh, don't live in the U.S. who are able to benefit from this service. That's fantastic. I figured that. But, you know, it's. It, I think people are so hesitant because they feel like, um, you know, that's, that it's not going to be for them or they don't have access to it. But I want everyone to hear this, that there, there are ways that you can receive help and receive counseling and receive, you know, this, this kind of service and you don't have to be in the physical place. Absolutely. And and that's also the beauty of technology and the way our world is moving in that sense too. So, um, you know, I think it's important for everybody to, to hear that because people give themselves excuses. I hear it all the time or a family member will, will say to me, oh, you know, they can't come in that many times a day. They have work or they have this. It's like there's telephone sessions. There's like you said, there's there's Skype. I mean, there's so many different ways in which people people really can receive the help if they're willing to get it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just graduated uh, with my master's in social work from USC. And my Congratulations. Was, oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, 
uh, when you bring up the brain stuff, a lot of our education was surrounded by that. So I get really passionate about that. But my internship mm-hmm. uh, was actually in a completely um, online-based uh, therapeutic um, uh, company um, where all services were provided uh, over the internet. So uh, we did, you know, treatment for depression, anxiety, uh, lots of co-occurring issues, and that was a real uh, eye opener to me is just how effective um, uh, it can be to give access to the people who you said who can't leave uh, their mm-hmm. homes for whatever reason. There's no there's no limitations anymore on being able to access. All you need is a you know you can do it on your phone on a laptop. It's super easy. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. Well, I, I'm so happy to be able to talk to both of you today. And can you tell everybody a little bit about where they can find you, how they could get involved with with what you're doing, and um, any other information that would be helpful? Absolutely. Yeah, we do uh, trainings for people to get trained to be CCMI, Certified Case Manager Interventionist. Um, and you could do that at um, i911event.com. Or if you just want more information about case management intervention, it's uh, intervention911.com. Fantastic, fantastic. Okay, and 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 then they also could contact you if they need. Uh, they would like to hear more about these aftercare programs and, and things for their their uh, family members or friends. Absolutely, if they need help with a recovery assistant, you know they could uh, go to kenseelyrehab.com. KenSealyRehab.com. Wonderful. Thank you both so much for joining me. You're listening to Rewired Radio on Radio MD. I'm Erica Spiegelman. Thank you all. Stay well.